It's the Black Country Blokes Tune of Fat here with me, Kev Dillon, Lee Cadman, and our very special guest, Andy Mullaney. Now, we're going to be tuning the Fat about mental health, disability, as we always do, and life in general. But first, what I like to do um, is, as we do at the Lions Boxing Club every Wednesday, 7pm to 9pm, is start with, what are we grateful for? This week, what I'm grateful for is my family. I mean, I've got a beautiful wife, my wonderful daughter, brilliant parents, um, mum and dad and my brother. And I'm very grateful for the parents I've had because if I hadn't got them, I wouldn't have had the strength to carry on. And they have given me so many opportunities to become the man that I am. And I just want to say thank you. Lee, what are you grateful, bruv? Oh, phones. Phones? Phones. For a change, <laughs> we, we usually go on about tech and, and go on about how social media is the devil. But actually, I had a great phone call with Craig, another one of the Black Country blokes. I think it was yesterday. And we I can't tell the story, unfortunately, on, on air, but we had such a good laugh mm. about this phone call. So, so maybe grateful for phones and friends. As you said, technology has been, no, it can be the devil, but it can unite us. And a phone call and is there any greater gift than a good belly laugh i love it you know that's every time i have one i'm grateful but andy what have you been grateful for this week i think very much for my uh, friends and family and i think um over the last couple of days having had a really good friend of mine who's been diagnosed uh, with cancer i think i'm really really grateful for my health um but above all else, I think I'm grateful for the fact that we've got the ability to have these conversations that um, you and I have developed, you know, you, you, you Kevin, you, Lee, you know, we've developed a friendship over the last few months. Um, and I think these things are really, really important to us as we go forward. And certainly in a post-COVID world, and my goodness me, I hope we can find a post-COVID world at some stage. But I'm really, really grateful for the fact that I've got the people in my life that I have. And I think the, the thing with friendship, as you said there, is like you're building new friendships, and which is a wonderful thing. But a friend knows when you're down. A friend knows when you're happy. And a good friend will be there when you're having a good laugh and, you know, you, you're winning. You know, because everyone wants to be a friend yeah. when you're winning. A good friend will be happy for you when you win. They won't want you to fail. Yeah. But a good friend is also there for you when you fail. Yeah. And they pull you together. I think there's a big difference between friends and acquaintances, and I think all too often we go through through life um, believing that we've got a, a whole number of friends and how often do we turn around and say, oh, yeah, they're a good friend, they're a good friend. But actually, your true friends you can count on one hand. You know, I've got four or five really, really good friends and I consider myself very privileged and lucky to have those in my life, you know. My best mate, Phil, who I hope he's listening to this, you know, I, I couldn't have got through the last few years. If he's years not listening, is he really your friend? That's what we have to <laughs> yeah, ask. Yeah, Phil. <laughs> but, you, you, you know, you, you, you take Phil. Phil's always got time for me, you know, and he, he's always got time to turn around and he's always got time to, um, I think, give me a point of view. Sometimes I might not like what I say. What he says, sometimes I might he, he might not, not like what I say. Um, but we have honest conversations conversations and and I, I really really value and respect the friendship that I, that I have with him you know, I, I love him to bits and I've got three or four other really really good friends I've got a number of people that I'd say are, I'm 
are good acquaintances, but they're not the people that I turn to first. And I feel really, yeah, going back to, to what we're grateful for, I'm really grateful for having the people in my life that I have that will turn around and will support me, you know, uh, that sometimes will carry me on the shoulders, you know, when I need that support. I always think with friendship, you've got to put people in pots. There's someone you can lend money to, mm-hmm. have money lent off. Mm-hmm. Someone who, if you're having an altercation, let's call it, mm-hmm. will back you. Uh, someone you can have a cry in front mm-hmm. of, some people you can have a drink with. And you're very, very, very few people that fill every pot. Mm-hmm. And just because they can't fill all the pots doesn't mean they're a bad person. Mm-hmm. They, they're a bit above an acquaintance. They're a good friend. But occasionally that one or two or few people tick all the boxes. Yeah. Aren't they? And that they're as rare as what well, I can't say on radio. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. and, but when you get them, and a true friend, you can fall out with, you can have different opinions, yeah. but you haven't got to hang up. And I remember one of my best friends in the world, Quinton, I've grown up with him, and I remember all them years ago, my nanny self died. And he found me about half 12 at night, and I went, It's half so and so, why phoning me? And he goes, Because I knew you couldn't sleep. How are you? Yeah. And when you know each other that well, like when I've had bad news, um, me and Lee, I've. You will phone each other, and sometimes you haven't got to be the voice of reason. You haven't got to go, well, don't do this. Or you, mm-hmm. have, you just got to be there and go, yeah. And if they're angry, allow them to be angry. Let yeah. them come up with these mad schemes that they're going to get. Mm-hmm. And when they've calmed down and got level-headed, then you go, we're not going to do nothing now, are we? Mm-hmm. But don't argue with someone when they're emotional. Just let them get it off the chest. Absolutely right, you know. And I think that, you know, you, you talk about lending money. You know, as a, as a former bank manager, I mean, uh, how many people wanted to be my friend at times? <laughs> <laughs> you know, many people. Um, I, I, I think, you know, you, you've got you've got to think about your, your, your friends and think about who you're engaging with. And I think really finding the value in that relationship um, so that it's there for both of you. Mm. Um, and somebody who is a good friend, as you say, you know, will give as much as they, 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 they take really. And they're there and it's unconditional. It's a form of unconditional love. Mm. Uh, and, I, you know, again, you know, we, we're blokes talking as black country blokes and we don't talk about these things. But, you know, I think it's really it, we don't talk about them enough. But I think it's really important that we that we do start to understand understand that sometimes people who come into your life may come into your life and you sometimes wonder why are they in my life you know and then you then you sort of start to get an understanding that they're there because they want to be there not because they want to support you or because they want to be um, a, a really good friend to you they want to actually take something and they need something from you you know that's that that that's something that that, that I I've always been very very wary of I think in terms of who comes into my life and been very careful to to try to, to try to think about who I let in so when once explained friendship is like a bank if you just keep withdrawing and you go into the overdraft and eventually to take your house, you've yeah. got to be taken out. But you've also be putting a pound Absolutely. in here and two pound and five pound. And, mm. and that's how it's got to be. It, anything can't be take, take, take. Mm. I always say it's like, um, life's like a buffet. There's enough plates. Bring a little bit, be it a sausage roll, and it hasn't got to be a fillet steak. Yeah. Bring something and we'll, we'll all share. Doesn't mean there's enough on the table of life without you having to pinch off my plate. But bring something of your own. So yeah. someone else can have a bit of a snack. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, t- I totally agree. And I think, you know, that 
again, this go this sort of conversation that we're having is the sort of conversation I think that more guys should be having, more people should be having because we spend too much of our, our time interacting through text messages or through Facebook or Instagram or otherwise. I don't believe that we actually get to the heart of these conversations. I did a, a training session today for a charity designed to try to get young people back into work. Um, it was fabulous. I really enjoyed it. It was a great group of people. But the one thing that I was saying to them was you need to practice talking and you need to practice your interview technique because you can't just rock up and suddenly expect for it to come right. You've actually got to sit there and have these conversations. And I think, again, you know, something I think is, is lacking that, that, that we don't do enough of is sit around the table and have a chat at home. You know, we, we, we do, and I mean, my kids and my wife would probably say, oh, God's sake, I wish Dandy had shut up sometimes, <laughs> you know. But, but, but I, I do enjoy a conversation, yeah. but I really do think it's really important that more and more people do that and talk about the world and and it isn't about everybody having the same opinions. It isn't about somebody agreeing with you, but it's about starting to widen your knowledge and widen your knowledge of the world. And I think that's something I'd like our younger people to do a lot more. I think there's only one way you do do that as well. And you're right, you have you have to do that through having different opinions. It, mm. it would be a really boring conversation if everyone just agreed with everything you said. Absolutely. It wouldn't. It was not a conversation at that point, no. is it? It's just someone talking, basically. No. But yeah, so you do, you need to have those. And I think you need, in your life, you need those different friends that do have that different opinion yeah. to help you see the other side of yeah. it. I think we see a lot of it now with with what's going on with, with COVID out there in the world where you do, people are kind of picking sides whether we'll do I listen to mainstream media or do I get my information off the internet? And there's no... Mm. There's no wrong or right way. Get it off both and then come mm. to your own conclusion about what's going on. Absolutely right. I think taking a much more holistic view of things, and um, I think sometimes you know, I can be quite critical of the media at times now, more so than perhaps I used to be. Um, and I think it's almost like that, that show catchphrase where they, they've, they've got an image that's so much of it is blacked out, yeah. and then you have to get the, get the, get, get the squares uh, revealed and it reveals part of the image and you have to guess what it is yeah. and sometimes in in the current current climate I, I believe that the media is only presenting you with the squares that they want you to, to to try to guess and then try to think yeah that's the picture that's what it actually is and actually it could be something totally different which is why what you're saying is right go to as many sources as you can and then formulate your opinion but Don't, do you yeah. find that anyway with everything andy like people have their opinions of things and they'll staunchly support that yeah and sometimes you can't even change that whether you've got proof or not and that's not really just mainstream media you can go on certain websites yeah. and they're trying to push what they're trying to sell as such. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and I think mainstream media, I think you're definitely right. They do show you what you want to do, but I think everyone else does as well. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone out, I've not found anyone out there who's totally impartial to everything. No, but but as I say, the key for me is, is to talk and to talk to, to other people, to get other people's opinions and then start to see what actually it is that the picture, the picture that you're supposed to see is. Um, all too often, as I say, I, I find that, that we're only given some of the story or that we only find some of the story. Um, we need to be a lot more searching as people. And this, this is why conversations are great, because you Absolutely. will start here 
other ends of that story. Absolutely, you know. I, and we, we were talking earlier, you know, uh, uh, before we, we came on air, um, about how important it is to understand a different viewpoint. Um, you know, and I was talking about your friend uh, that, that, that spoke to me and gave me a different understanding of a situation that I'd faced a few months ago. Um, and actually, I, I hadn't really thought of how life would be from his point of view, where perhaps he hadn't got as much um, support uh, that the, the perhaps I'd got, you know, um, and that we that, that we got. Um, so, so you never stop learning. I think that's that's I, really that's really important. I think what you got to learn uh, realize as well, it's all right to get it wrong. Yeah, you get it wrong to get it right. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I I I, I was ignorant. Of the fact until I knew better. Yeah. And that's what we've got to be doing. Yeah. And I think, like, it depends what we're after. If mm. we want a fact or if we want a belief, mm. a belief, a religious belief or whatever, they are your rights to believe. And a belief hasn't got to be proven because you believe a belief in your heart. But if we're going for what we perceive as facts, as in the truth, then we should always be learning. Yeah. Because the truth can be changing, as you said, like with catchphrases. Sometimes we're looking over here, we're looking over to the right where something actually is happening mm. over to the left, like a magician. Yeah. And they, they do this on purpose with politics mm. and with media because they want us to see what they perceive as the truth. Mm. But we've got to... I think that I'm rather impressed with myself for saying that because there's a fact and there's a belief and we have got to understand what we're looking for. I think a fact is ever-changing. And what we're saying like about friendship, friendship, how many times do we see our work colleagues, our work associates, more than we see our old pal? And through lockdown, I must have phoned up every single person in the first lockdown on my phone, and I went, you know what, Andy? We're going to meet up. You know what, Lee? We're going to go out with the family. You know what? And it's very few, because once we're back on that hamster wheel of life... Mm. We don't back what we promised ourselves. It's like when we're on holiday, wherever we've gone, and we go, you know what, when I get back, I'm not going to sweat the small stuff. I'm going to spend more time with my family. I'm not going to work as hard. I'm just going to... As soon as we get back, yeah. we're back to doing what we do because we're creatures of habit. And I think it's creating that new habit, even if it's having a phone call, whatever, it meets it up, especially now we've got Christmas. And if you're lucky enough to have friends and family, make an effort to go and see them over Christmas because... I'm a very blessed man. I've got friends, I've got family. But I'm aware of some of my friends and family who haven't got anyone. And they're the ones we've got to check upon. That's what we had to do in lockdown. So maybe now, the time of giving, give a bit of time. Mm. bit of time's better than a present sometimes. Yeah. I, I, Kev, I, t- I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, in, in the book that I've written, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but I talk about going through life a lot more consciously. And there's something that I've sort of tried to develop. I'm a long way from getting it right. I know that. Um, but it's about being more conscious of what's around you, being more aware of who's around you, being more aware of the circumstances um, and trying to... Um, Trying try to, I think, as you walk down the high street, not not miss things as you as you're driving. You know, do you drive unconsciously? Are you on your phone? Are you listening to the radio? Are you just are you just going along and doing it because it's a task that's there, or are you actually consciously thinking mm-hmm. about great? I need to turn right. I need to turn left. What could happen if what's going to come at me? Um, and and being a lot more, I, I think, considerate. And I think I think that's that that's something that I would like to see a lot more of, mm. and us be a lot less judgmental. And I know it's something that I 
have struggled with all my life to some degree. Uh, and I think we all battle with judgments that we make. But those instant judgments can sometimes be wrong. And what we're just saying there, you know, we need to look at the bigger picture, we need to look at the wider picture. What is it that we're actually being presented with? Do we know it all? Like consideration, kindness, common courtesy, mm. all the things that other countries have laughed at English because we've always been not mm. having super manners, consideration, mm. you know, when you're driving and someone cuts you up or they mm. block you out, even though you can't, they can't get anywhere, they'll block the traffic and mm. a little bit of kindness mm. goes a long way mm. and all emotions are contagious. If you mm. barge into me, I'm more likely to have a go at the next bloke or mm. next woman Whereas if you're kind, and like once again in lockdown, the first lockdown, you'd bump into a dog walker. You're right, mate. Mm. It's very old-fashioned. How are you? Then you'd, you'd stop and talk to a stranger because you're both fed up, you're both lonely. And that would brighten up each of us afternoon, if not the day, if not the mm. weekend. But once again, we get so fixated on me, 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 mm. me, me. To hell with anyone else as long as I'm all right. Mm. But instead of if I'm all right... If we could change, if I'm all right too, if we're all right, and if we're all right, then everyone could be a little bit better. You know, when we start seeing, instead of selfish, more of oh, us, you know, yeah. we will, oh, I, better I get, better you will get. Mm. Instead of thinking, well, if I succeed, Andy's going to try and trip me over and he, he wants my crown. Mm. But as we were saying earlier, success breeds success. Yeah. And we've had that in the boxing club. If you have a Midlands champion, national champion, people don't think, oh, they hate the Lions, they're always robbing us. You go, well, if Osama can do it, so yeah. can Ben. If Ben can do it, yeah. so can... And we, then we're not jealous of success, but we're going, what's the secret to succeeding? Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, we, we, we are all too quick as a society to build people up to then try to knock them down. Um, and I, I, I really... I, I struggle with that. Yeah. I've got to be honest, I really do, because I think there's so many people out there who are trying to do some good, who are trying to make the best, ver to be the best of version of themselves that they can be. Some people perhaps might not get it right first time. Some people yeah. might circumnavigate the system a bit. But... I think we've just got to try to cheer people on a little bit. Mm. And these random acts of kindness that you say, you know, um, and even just picking up the phone call to some, picking up the phone to somebody and making a phone call. I think that's really important. I think it's really, mm. really important that we just say, how are you doing? Um, occasionally and stopping and having that, that, that conversation. You know, my, 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 my lad the other day, you know, he was coming back from Birmingham and he, he, he said, you know, he'd, he'd got a McDonald's in his hand or something. He gave his fries to a homeless person and just spoke to them, you know. Yeah. Well, that could actually be the thing that changes their life. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know what your random act of kindness could actually do. And you probably will never see it, but, it's amazing the difference that it that it can make, and it's something. I think that, you're right there, yeah. and it can not only change um, their life; it can change your Absolutely. own life. Absolutely, I bet there's mm. millions of stories out there where someone's been broke down at the side of the road. Mm. This person stopped to help, and they turn out to be I don't yeah. know a record executive, and yeah. and you know you're you're off on the right foot. So yeah. there's always a give and take, isn't there? And sometimes these things will come back to help you in that long run as well. And yeah. on, on about pushing a car. The other month this was, uh, me and my mum, I don't know if it's before lockdown, in between lockdown, me and my mum, as always, God bless her, always takes me to the club, and we're driving it, and a woman had got out of her car, she broke down in the middle of the road, and she was over the, she got out of the car, and she's sobbing, sobbing, because, 
And, you know, and there's a traffic all piled behind and people are beeping the horn and this woman sobbing. I went, oh, hang on, Mum. I jumped out. I went, come on, bab, jump in. And I started pushing it. And then a guy <laughs> who's beeping, I went, oh, yeah, giving her a push is an option. Yeah. Then he got out because he saw me getting out yeah. and we pushed the car to the side. But it, all it took was one person to go, mm. we've got an option here to help. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. everyone was there and this, this woman is in bits, yeah. you know. And I thought, But kindness is always mm. an option and yeah. sometimes it's the be- well, virtually every time, it's the better option. Mm. If we help that person, it helps us because then we can get to where we're going. I, I, I had to learn a lot of that, Kev. Um, and I think when I worked for, because um, my career, for those who don't know, but I did 35 years with Lloyds Bank. Um, and then the last couple of years of my career, I was seconded out to work for business in the community um, and went to work as a business connector in Dudley. Um so instead of spending my career, make, to some degree, making the rich richer, and I had a great career, I was blessed, you know, many, many good years uh, and worked with some amazing, amazing people, really, really talented. But going to work for business in the community changed me as a person and changed my outlook on the world because within the bank and, and having had that career, I was very, very insular to some degree and I again going back to what we're saying very judgmental um decisions were made based on people's financial circumstances to some degree uh, business financial circumstances all sorts of things that you took into into consideration but when i went to work for business in the community i had to link the public the private and the third sector together now the third sector is very much around the charity charity side what you guys have got community interest companies social enterprises Getting to understand how communities work, I had not got a clue how our community worked. I Mm. didn't have a clue. I thought I did, but I had not got a clue. I did not know the good that was out there. I did not appreciate it. And equally, I didn't know the problems that were out there as well. Um, And this is going back to 2015, 2016. So this is way before COVID was even a word that we understood or we knew about. So... Once you start to have that come at you, I've got to be honest, the first three weeks, I sort of like had, it was absorbing all of the uh, knowledge of uh, what what goes on in and around Dudley and how the Dudley Borough works. And um, I had to have a week off. I had to go away and and literally try to process all what what I'd learned. And the emotions were at times overwhelming because I could not believe that I had been so blind, I suppose, to some degree, and blinkered as to what was going on around me. Um, and then once I started to then develop a, develop a better strategy and an awareness, a coping strategy as well, I was then able to go out there and start to be really effective. But, you know, the, the work that goes on within the voluntary sector is the glue that holds our society together. People do not appreciate just how much goes on. And that then teaches you then to start to give. Now, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm way away from the finished article. I'm, I've still got a, a, a long way to go. But I do look at more situations now than I perhaps ever would. And what you've just said, Kev, you know, about stopping and pushing the car. You know, uh, Andy Mullaney, who was working in the bank, who was rushing from one appointment to another, going all over the country, going around various places in Europe and God knows what else, trying to make some money for the man, you know. 
I wouldn't have had time for that. I'd have, I'd have probably actually seen it as an interruption, if I'm being honest, mm. to, to, to my day and thought, you know, my goodness, man, how can somebody do that? Why haven't had the car properly maintained? I can hear myself now, <laughs> you know, sort of saying the things that, that I perhaps might have said. Um, but now, you know, I would like to think that Andy Mullaney would stop the car and I'd like to think that Andy Mullaney would try and try and help. I, I may not get it right all of the time, but I'm trying to get it right more of the time now. I don't know if it's because I'm trying to balance things up with a big man upstairs and I'm a bit older now. But, but, um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'd pretty much exactly the same as you. I know I'd have drove past and done that. But, and there was a situation a few weeks ago when I was getting my hair cut. I was literally at the back of the room, furthest away from the front door that they came in. And there was a bloke who was coming up to the front door with crutches, trying to open this front door. There must have been five or six people in the queue like next to him none of them got up helping and because of the situation i am now with my daughter with her being in a wheelchair i understand it a bit mm. more so i was like, right let's get up let's open the door for him and it but it's not until you've been put into those mm. situation where you you kind of see it as a problem mm. and an issue and also that you feel then comfortable to go and do that because mm. you don't want to offend people as well mm. by letting them think that you you know they that they need your help but Whereas so, they might not, you know, but you, if they don't need your help, they'll let you know, actually, I'm fine. I, I, I think if I, if I look back to the, 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 the big moment for me, and I can almost like pin it down, really, it was when I um, spent a few hours in the company of Kerry Davis, who, who you've had on your show, and, and I think I introduced you to. Yes. Um, Kerry um, has so, so many issues with her physical health. Uh, it's untrue Um, and I I did not understand anything about disability really I I pretended I did but I didn't and it was only when I sat down with Kerry and then I said you know tell me about yourself and then she told me about all of the um, problems that she got but then she told me about all the things that she wanted to do and she wanted to achieve it wasn't a case of I want to sit back and I want to take from society it was a case of I really, really want to give back. Her exact words were, I want to put smiles on children's faces. Mm. From somebody who's in a wheelchair who's got all sorts of issues that face her that we can't even imagine. And and uh, the one thing she wants to do is put smiles on children's faces. You know, I, I, I wept. I absolutely wept. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I did, you know, and I proudly tell a story in my book Um as I say, I think it was that moment that really, really was one of the defining life-changing moments for me that made me start to realise that I needed to become a, a, a different person with a different outlook on life. And I don't believe that I'd have had the impact that I did as a business connector. And I've carried on doing since if, if I hadn't have had that interaction with Kerry and actually taken it on and taken it really seriously. But I think it's great how you've been honest about that. And it- how many times we go like, oh, I, I wouldn't have reacted that way. Or, but you're, you're humble enough to admit that you back then would have reacted to that woman who'd parked. Mm. You're mad enough to admit that you, because you hadn't necessarily been around disability, how are you supposed to know it unless mm. you're around it? And I think that's what we've got to admit to ourselves. A, that we don't know everything. B, that we can always learn. Mm. And we're willing to change. Mm. And whether we change for the worse or for the better... Not many people ever set out and want to change for the worse, do they? No. They might have just pursued the wrong path and it's taken mm. them somewhere they didn't want to be. But, you know, we all are trying to be better. I think worse than 
trying to get better and actually becoming something worse, at least you've tried, is when you're happy to stagnate mm. and you're not willing to try and give anything a go. Mm. Just because I've done it for 100 years, mm. I will remain doing it for 100 years. Mm. That person is the worst out of all three, I believe. Mm. Do you, what do you think, Lee? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's it's a hard conversation, is it, Kev? Because, the, well, it's not hard, it's, but everyone thinks differently and, and moves in the world differently. And there is people out there who will try and put other people down, as we've discussed, to better themselves. So, you know, where do, where do you go from that point? You know, you, there, there has to be a moment where they are taught that that is different. Kind of like Andy's situation when he met Kerry, he... He stopped, he talked to someone with experience of disability and, and it changed his outlook on it. So you do, and it goes back to conversation, like we were saying earlier, you need to have mm, these conversations absolutely. and get out there and speak to people who who oh. um, mm. who have experienced things in life. And it has, mm. I think it also has to be more than one person mm. because you'll, you're still, like, if someone's coming to disability mm. to us, they could speak to two of us about it. Mm. You know, we can speak to you with your eyes and me about my daughter and you're going to get two different versions of what it is like to um, have a disability and be with someone mm. who, who look after someone with a disability. Mm. I, I, I get the point you, you, you made as well, Lee, you know, that it, it's the benefit to, 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 the, to the receiver and the giver. Um, and I think in, in, in my case, you know, it, it wasn't just talking to Kerry, you're absolutely right. But the many, many, many people that's out there, people like Carl Denning, again, who I feature in the book, you know, you, you get an understanding uh, of the challenges that they face and then you start to think, well, okay, what would it be really like to walk a mile in their shoes, you know? How, how, would, how would I cope? Um, and I think that allowed me then to start to become a lot more, I, I think... To some degree, dispassionate at times and then put my business hat on and go, right, OK, I understand what the situation is that, say, Kerry and Carl face and so many other people. Now, what can I now do to start to engage other people to take on the knowledge that perhaps I've got and to see things from the viewpoint that I'm now standing at? and that I'm looking at things with. And that's where you then start to then take people with you. Mm. You take one, one takes two, two takes four, and it starts to then develop a form of exponential growth, really. Mm. And that's how communities then start to go forward. I, I'm a great believer in that. I really am. And I saw it happen so many times. in the, and, and working, as I say, for, for business in the community um, was the great, one of the greatest privileges of my life. But, ju but just saying how the how the job changed me and how I have now become for the first time in my life I'm probably more comfortable in my skin mm -hmm. with who I am than I've probably ever been and I think that's probably been one of the greatest um awakenings for me over the uh, I'm 57 years old you know and it's only really since I've been 55 that I've started to really know who Andy Mullaney is yeah, I think um, what Kev was on about earlier that it's, you you've got to be constantly learning and changing these things. I think mm. about my own situation. Um, before my daughter was born, I was I was um, disability equipment sales, and it's highly specialised what I do. And I thought I knew. I thought I knew about it. I thought I was going around these children, the, these families' places, and mm. and and at the time I was doing a specialised wheelchair. Mm. And I thought I knew the struggle they went through. And it wasn't until my daughter was born that 
actually, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue at all of the struggle that these people go through just to get equipment, let alone the rest of the, the stuff, getting medical getting medical help and getting all that. I didn't have an absolute clue. And I'd grew up around Kev. My mum has looked after children with disability her whole career. You know, it, it kind of in terms of me having a disabled child, I was kind of the ideal person if there was one to to have one with the with the knowledge I thought I had, but mm. I didn't have a clue at mm. all. Didn't have a clue at all about it, and um, it's a it's a real eye opener. My daughter has been probably the uh, this now seven year old little girl has been probably my greatest teacher. Mm. They taught me, should mm. I say? You know, she's she's taught me so much about the world and mm. about about what it is really like and about really what it is important. Yeah. And and it comes. What is actually important comes down to a very few little things, and it's not the money you've got in the bank. To me, a lot of it now, a lot of the I used to be chasing around after the after the money and trying to get a better job to that pays more to to further myself in life. But actually, none of that matters. What mattered is time. Yeah. That's the only thing that actually matters, and being able to spend that time wisely. I was just going to say exactly that because if, if I think again of me before I worked for business in the community, I'd happily give to charity collections. I'd do sponsorships. I'd probably even do a couple, take part in a couple myself. You know, um, I'd I'd throw, throw raffle prizes in and I'd feel done something really, really positive by handing money over. And I thought that was the answer to it, but you're absolutely right. Talking to, to Kerry, the first thing that Kerry said to me, you know, when I said, what can I do for you? She said, I, I want your time, I want your knowledge, I want mm. some expertise, I want your help, you know. Um, and if I think about, you know, the businesses that we've got out there that in our wonderful region of the, the black country, there's so much talent, so much innovation. If everybody was able to just give an hour mm. of their time once a month to some of the charities um, at the, that's out there, some of the social enterprises – it would take society so much further forward, but equally it would raise the awareness so much more. And on the, the occasions when I was able to do that and facilitate that, my goodness me, we didn't have to move some mountains. We really did. But I said, like I said, like the head coach of the Lions ABC, we've been up for 21 years. And as you said, the glue that holds the country is the volunteers, but there's got to be something wrong with you to be a volunteer. I've been one for now 20 years. You give up your time your weekends, you miss seeing your own children grow up so you can watch... Mm-hmm. So, you, there's got to be something wrong with you. And a good friend of mine, Mick Maguire, head coach at um, uh, the Jewelry Quarter, and he said, because, um, you know, we're always off for boxing shows, and he said, um, and my wife was saying, well, we've got a kid, we've got a kid here, Mick. And he goes, yeah, but if I'm at a show, you're here to look after the kid. And if you're off somewhere, I'm here. The kids I teach haven't got that one parent to love them. Mm. As a coach, you've got to be a coach, a dad, a counsellor, a vicar. You've got to be everything when you're a coach because you're the first person to call. And we were saying off air, like, you will never know how many lives you've affected. Mm. And people come over and go, you don't remember me. I used to come to you when, like, he's six foot four, massive beard, and he goes, you don't remember me. I figured, oh, my God, I own money. Mm. And he goes, 20 years ago, I used to come up and you... You will have forgot that kid. But if you've done your job right, mm. they haven't forgot about you. But there's got to be something wrong with you. You know, you do it because you love doing it. You do it because you love it. But to do something that takes up your whole life mm. and doesn't give you a penny, 
there's got to be something wrong. And I was explaining this to a coach the other day, somebody who wants to be a coach at the club, and he hasn't been turning up, hasn't been turning up. Well, look, you probably won't love it as much as I love it, but you've mm. got to be willing to sacrifice to be a coach. You can't just come and shout at people and everyone go, oh, he's marvellous. You have got to dedicate all your free time, or mm. if not all your free time, you've got to put other people before yourself. Mm. You've got to be selfless. So to anyone out there who is a volunteer or is looking to be a volunteer, yes, you'll get pleasure out of it. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. But you've got to sacrifice so much. Even with this, don't you, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the gobby one who talks everyone's ear <laughs> off. But Lee, God bless him, he's yeah. in the background getting us the links yeah. so we can get on places. And Lee puts in so much work, you know, I'm just the noisy yeah. one. But I think this is why you why, why you guys work and why you have, uh, I think, such a such, such a great impact. And when I think about our first meeting, how, how you impacted me. But, but you, you're absolutely right in terms of... Um, volunteering but it, it's got to be around something that you want to yes. do it's got to be, re- be around a cause that you have for one of a better phrase but some skin in the game to some degree you've got you've got to really really want want to make a difference passion. to that and you've got some passion mm. now my, my passion around volunteering is mentoring and helping young people and getting young people to realize their their potential mm. um you know and i and i i will I, I will be as enthusiastic as anybody about that and i'm really happy to do it like i did today with employability you know and help it helping them i will help other charities and i will help other organizations and you know if i can give some support i will do um but i I do what i really really love doing and i think again you know that's something that is really important you know find what your passion is find what you really really want to do um and what causes particularly switch you on i think you you have to be that way anyway with anything you do because Especially something like that, where you're going in to, uh, to teach people something. Uh, I've been in countless meetings where I've just been bored to death and, and nearly wanted to fall asleep, you know. Yeah. And I, I just think, why don't you get people in front of me who are passionate about what they want to do? Because whether mm. you like it or not, then mm. they will infuse you with that passion. Yeah. So even if you're not interested, if you come to me mm. and you want to talk about, I don't know, the uh, bird spotting, I have no interest in bird spotting. But if you're passionate about it, mm. that will rub off on me, and I'll, that passion will come through, and I'll, I'll that will spark that interest. Well, you yeah. saying that it's ever so funny. We were teaching boxing in one of the schools around here, and I was there to go in the teachers' lounge, which is ever so weird when you're a naughty kid and you have to wait out there to be told off. And I was in there with all the other teachers, and I'm sat there listening because I love people watching. And the teachers go, oh, you know that Lee Cabman, oh, and oh, I hate the job. And I, and I was looking, I was, all these teachers, let's call it 15 teachers and 40, they're all bad-mouthing the kids and I hate the job and I hate what they're teaching. Mm. And this one guy, I, I can't remember what he's teaching, walked in and went, oh, he goes, oh, it's great, you know, the kids are brilliant. And I looked at him, he loved what he did. He was passionate and he knew some kids were toe rags, but they weren't going to beat him because he loved what he did mm. and I looked and I thought you're the teacher who will be remembered that's absolutely right yeah that's absolutely right and I think you know if I think back to my school days I think about one two teachers that I had that that, that sparked me off but I if, if I think again you know about the people that have really made a difference to my life and that have really helped me on it, it's the people who have had a passion for what they do people who are incredibly talented but people who were quite happy to be selfless in their mm. time in in mentoring me and supporting me 
Um, and equally, you know, I do believe that it's inherent on those of us that have got the health, the strength, the ability, you know, that, that, that have not got so many ties and so many pulls to just try to push something back out there to try to help some of the people that perhaps... Um, may need it and that that can be as little as giving a give, giving half an hour to somebody and just having a chat with somebody because it can change somebody's life it can change a person's life but we i mean there's two things i want to say there like cause we we're saying off off air like my mom is the backbone of the dylan family mm. without my mom i would never achieve anything without a chance, you know mm. and so my dad would say the same and my big brother mm. richie and they're the, the true selfless people. Absolutely. Rain, shine, whether they're feeling poorly. Mm. No one knows. They don't moan. They just grit their teeth and get on with it. Mm. You know, and they'll let me and Dad get out in the newspaper. Mm. And But them special. And they're, they're like angels. They're very, very rare. Yeah. They're these wonderful human beings. I've got one at home, Mrs. M- Mrs. Catherine Mullaney, if she's listening. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's the glue that holds us together um, and has enabled me to be the person that I am. You know, I mean, I, I, I remember coming home one day you know, and saying to her, oh, yeah, I've just applied for this job uh, within the bank and it means I'm going to be in London probably four days a, four days a month. I'm going to be in Jersey, mm. uh, Island Man, probably in Geneva as well. And you're not going to see me very much of me. Now, probably inwardly she was cheering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but but you know, she realised that it was just something that I needed to do, you know, something I wanted to do. So she just made the environment right. And, you know, so the person that I am is so much because of Catherine, you know, and the, and, and the kids as well. But but Catherine has, has, has been very, very selfless in the way that she's approached things and the way that she's done things. Um, and she's enabled me to be the, the best version of me that I can be. So, you know, I and love the loads. And I think it's like the same with my wife and now, one of my boxes. And Lee, we have to have understanding partners mm. to allow us. And to, I think that, that that's a remarkable person itself, isn't it? To allow you to achieve, or at least try and achieve, your goals. Mm. And once again, when you're away from your children, from your loved ones, from and every times like we've had to go, to, we're going to go to a wedding or a christening. And I've gone, I'm ever so sorry, I've got to take Lee to a boxing show. Mm. And to be understanding about it is remarkable. I think it goes further than that, though, doesn't it, Kev? Because you think we're we're all sitting here now. Me and Kev do something towards the backcountry bros at least three times a week. Mm-hmm. You have boxing shows you do, we have work, we do all this. And, and I think about my, my own partner, and I think, well, with me doing all this, when does she get time to, to try and achieve her her goals and her mm-hmm. ambitions? Yeah. You know, so that it's even they put mm-hmm. that on the back burner to enable you to go out there and do yours. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's what exactly what what's happened in in our house. You know, I mean, my 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 ego was huge as well. You know, and some people would say it still is to some degree. But, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, but 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 you know, Catherine's enabled the environment at home. Uh, she's taken care of the kids. She's helped. You know, she's she's done so much for them, as well as then once they'd reached a certain age, then going back to work, never once saying I want or I expect or you will do this or mm. you will do that. Um, yeah, she's just allowed me to be to 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 be me, and uh, as I say, I'm really really grateful for it. And uh, you know, hopefully, you know, trying to write some off the arrears as well. I feel like ego, because me and my dad always talk about this as well. Me and dad always have our chats. Ego ain't always a bad thing. Ego gets you out of bed in the morning. I think what we've got to be aware of ego is like how many empires have been built on ego, but how many have crumbled on ego. But I think 
Ego is brilliant if you've got humility. And when I say humility, when people say you shouldn't take yourself serious, no, you should take yourself more serious than you should treat anyone else. You should strive to be the best version of you. doesn't mean you can't laugh at yourself, but you should never be a joke. You should be able to find yourself hilarious, but don't ever let people treat you as a joke because you're not. Mm. So, but you've got to aim high, but be willing to fail, Mm. be willing to learn, Mm. be willing to have fun at your own expense, but never be a joke. But ego will allow you to aim to be great. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I think you've also got to keep it in check. Mm. I think we're possibly seeing some examples in the um, in the public eye this week where perhaps egos uh, perhaps got a little bit too out of hand um, and people have lost touch. Some people have, might have lost touch with reality. Mm. Um, I think it's really, really important that you keep it in check. I think going back to one of the points you've just made there as well, one of the things I've had to learn to do is, is to some degree laugh at myself. I always thought I could. But I know that inside, if somebody made a joke about me, it sort of like really hurt and mm. I, I did take it to heart. And that goes back to your upbringing and you, when you're a kid and everything like that, which I won't go through. Um, but the one thing that I think, again, you know, I've sort of like been able to develop is this ability to sort of like go, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? You know, mm. And we'll have a bit of a laugh about it. Yeah, if it goes too far, you stop it. But, you know, I think the people that I'm around, uh, they, it never does um, so, and if we're that, you, certain people in your life can push the boundary because they've earned yeah, the stripes. Absolutely. If a bloke just turns up to you in a supermarket and goes, "Oh, you, you go, hang on, you, we don't yeah. know each other," yeah. you know what I mean? We haven't got a relationship. Yeah. You, and I, I, I find that a lot with people is, "Oh, it's only banter." Yeah. No, you're being rude. Yeah, you're being right. obnoxious. Absolutely. A joke is where we're all laughing. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we have a step into But some people are just rude for the sake of yeah. being rude. Yeah. No, I, 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 I totally agree with you, Kev. I really do. But as I, as I say, you know, I think that developing an ability to, to laugh at yourself sometimes mm. as well is is important. And again, it's something that I've, I've had to do. Um, and I, you know, again, I think about perhaps at home now, you know, Catherine rips into me probably a little bit more than she used to. <laughs> so that's, no, that's no bad thing, you know, and that's no bad thing. And it, it can sort of diffuse a situation as well. It can make a situation really light mm. um, and uh, humour used in the right way well you know it, uh, it, it it can actually change societies as well for the better but when we were on about communities earlier a point I was going to say is like the old pubs you know and I think about like um, the old boys the old boys would be sat in the pub mm. back when you could smoke in the pub yeah. and you'd have I don't know the races on and they'd be mm. sipping a mild yeah. all day they wouldn't necessarily be talking you'd have old Bill in the corner reading his paper mm. and you'd have Tony Whatever. But they had company. Mm. They'd sip on a mild, probably for most of the day, so it wouldn't cost them a fortune. They'd be having their roll-ups. But I think when the smoking bank come in and people had to stand outside for a cigarette and then you've lost them old boys and they were the funniest people (laughs) in the pub because they knew how to tell a story. Mm. And their stories... And that's how you... Back then, you'd know everyone more a village. And if you're... If you've been fired or you've lost your job, you could go in the pub and come out with a job. Yeah. And that's how you had the real characters and you had your respect because he was from number seven and, oh, we got burgled. Well, let's have a little whip around. Let's see who's done it. And, yeah. and when you lose, the elders went to the pub, the kids went to the youth clubs. But where do people go now? 
And when I do occasionally pop into a pub now, I look around and I think no one, there's no 18-year-olds in here. Mm. Who'd want to be here? They can't watch the football, they can't have entertainment and they can't, they can't, they can't. It's expensive and I think... These were the hubs of the community. I think it's something that I, I really came to understand with Dudley Voluntary Service and getting to understand the loneliness that, that, that that's out there and people just don't feel that they can go out to, to places anymore or there's a place for them. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, some of the community hubs um, that exist are really important. They're lifelines for people. Um, but there's, again, so few of them. Um, I think that's something that we, we, we as a society probably need to re-examine, you know, is, is our relationship um, with creating communities, how we do that. I think we've got a wonderful opportunity in this post-COVID world that we're going to create and we've got an opportunity, but we've only got one shot at getting it right. Mm. Um, we can get it very, very badly wrong. But I think, you know, the creation of a community and developing a community um post-COVID, random acts of kindness. Uh, I think, yeah, just starting to instill that in society um, will be a really, really powerful, uh, a powerful force. It's a force that I would really, really want to be a part of. And a community hasn't got to be DY5, DY6. Absolutely. A community has no boundaries. Absolutely. And I think now in the digital age, we can find a tribe, a community anywhere. Yeah. I think yeah, I think that word tribe is really important, and I think that's really really good. We probably understand it a little bit more in the Black Country to some degree because we speak a bit different. And <laughs> we speak proper, yeah. We speak we, we, we speak proper. It's everyone else, yeah. <laughs> but there there are some there are some communities out there that and, and some areas of the country that where where it, it it's not the done thing to have these sort of conversations or to or, or to, to to place the, the the voluntary sector at the heart of the community. I think we're in in a really, really good place in Dudley uh, to be able to do that. Um, but there are so many communities that don't benefit from that. And you see it on the news when there's a disaster or you, you, you will sometimes see, oh, yeah, the CVS or the local voluntary service or there's so many people that, that are there instantly on the spot. And then there's other occasions where you see communities that are totally cut off. Mm. I think it's really important that we do start to try to think about how we as a, as a society start to find our community again and what a community looks like and what you just said kev you know about the old boys and the old girls you know they they, they had so much life experience yeah. and they've got so much life experience we need to tap into that i mean how sad must it be when you've got to that age your partner's gone your old pals they've mm. gone and people forget when we look at these old people back in their day they were probably a boy Mm. They were the lad. She was gorgeous. They, mm. and then memories have faded. Their loved ones are gone. Their stories aren't told anymore. Mm. And then they're just seen in this completely different light. Mm. And you know, I want to live as long as I'm healthy. Mm. And I look at some of these people, and once their stories aren't being told, mm. but how much knowledge they could give into my Jasmine, my little daughter, or mm. coming up the club. And I, I, I love the Black Country Living Museum because I love just talking to them. And mm -hmm. we start off by talking about the coal or the butchers. And next thing, you know, we're on a rabid run. And it's it's lovely. Mm -hmm. And I think we need more of that. We, in fact, we were at, um, are we allowed to mention where we were the other day at the glass? 
You can't have had it. I'm going to do it anyway. But uh, the glass, is it the glass works? What's it called? So it's opposite the Red Cone. They're opening up. Oh, the Glass Museum. Yeah, the Glass Museum. They're opening up the Glass Museum. I think it's opening in April and we're doing a bit of work work with them. But it was fascinating going in there, wasn't it, Kevin? Mm. And um, we saw some of the work that was going to be on display. Mm. And you forget about the heritage just in Staybridge, yeah. without going into Briley Hill, without going, in, you know, just in, in yeah. Staybridge, or Wordsley it is, isn't it? Yeah. But just in that small area, the history we have yeah. and the history that we can show other people who, who, who yeah. are going to be infused by it because of the people there are showing it. And yeah, it's just yeah. fantastic. And hearing those stories and like, my granddad's brother, he was disabled, he had pneumonia, he was in a wheelchair, and he made a vase, and he's still on my side now. And it's these stories, when the happy stories, sad stories, because mental illness hasn't just popped up over Corona. It's been going forever. Absolutely. You know what I mean? From shell shock to post-traumatic stress to anything. It, it, it's always been there. And isn't it, I was talking to um, an old Bobby at the Black Country Museum, and I said, what, what do you think of it? And he goes, well, back in our day, we'd see some horrific things. But then we'd all go to the pub afterwards, and we talk about it, we get drunk, we forget about it. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the answer. Mm. But they were finding a way of talking. I'm not saying go and have 10 points. Mm. But if that is your medicine, if that's the only way that you can do it, then do it because we've got to get it mm. out there. And I think more we can have frank and open conversations. And hopefully by what we're doing now, mm. we are encouraging the older people to mm. open up. And we were doing one of our um, public speaks the other day, weren't we, Lee? And the lady said she was finding it really hard to engage with her elderly father. And we said, um, he probably won't open up to you. You're his, his little princess, his, his daughter. Mm. He's been a tough guy all his life. And, he pro- and they said, well, what do you think? I went, try and engage with him, with his friends. Try and get him into a working man's club. Try and get him into a carpentry. Because he's more likely to open up to one of his peers mm. than he will to his daughter. Mm. No, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, again, Kev, you know, I, I do think going back to the, um, if I think of my childhood um, and I think about mental illness, uh, it was a really dirty secret in families. Mm. Yeah, it was a dirty secret in our family. That the, the, there was there was members of my family that that that, that had, had suffered with mental mental illness, um, and it, it was something that just was not spoken about. Mm. You know, it was em- it was a source of embarrassment to some mm. degree. Um, and and I know that at the age of ten, I know that I had a breakdown when mm. I was ten. You know, um, but it was just brushed away. You know, mm. it was just brushed away. So I, I think the fact that we're talking about about it now and we're talking about it a lot more openly um, is a really good thing because the more we talk about it the more we're actually going to put not only coping strategies out there but we're also going to make people aware of how um, how, how they can combat it and we can get ahead of the game so that the issues that we're seeing with how much money is having to be thrown at, 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 at mental illness, um, we can actually do something about about that without throwing money at it because we can just have the conversations. And this is why I'm such a huge fan of what you guys are doing because you're getting blokes talking about mental health and you're getting them talking about their how they feel inside, which is what we're not particularly good at doing. If somebody says to you, are you okay? 
the chances are you'll get, yeah, 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 I'm fine, when actually you're probably anything else. But I would love somebody someday to turn around to me if I said to them, how are you doing? And they turn around and I said, you know what, Andy, I'm actually having a bit of a bad day. Can we have a chat? Mm. Fantastic. You know, that'd be wonderful because that actually might prevent somebody um, having to go to the doctors, having to speak to the doctor. Well, this is exactly why I'm sitting in this chair now for the fact that I didn't want my son to think he had to bottle it up like yeah. I did. Yeah. And I found out myself that actually up until this year, I found out my dad suffers. But it's only because I was opening up that he's yeah. managing now to open up. He doesn't open up mm. as much for me, and that's that's fine. I know I know now he mm. goes through his problems, and he he, mm. he deals with that in the way he deals with it. He deals mm. with it better than he ever has done because of what I do here. But we we have to stand up and speak about mental health to stop our sons committing suicide and our daughters committing suicide because that's the that's the that's the way out of it. That's the real way of reducing it by going actually yeah you if you are struggling, stand up. Stand Absol- up and tell someone. Absolutely. Stand up and, and find a way that you can deal with it that is not bottling it up inside mm. you and, and letting it get fester and get worse. But my, my dad, Big Bob Dylan, GB coach, panic attacks. Mm. And he had someone, anyone who meets dad, he's the most confident, loud, grizzly bear. But because we are all here now, hopefully someone who's listened to this on mm. LinkedIn podcast, where and go, so I'm allowed. Yeah. I, I, Absolutely. I'm allowed to feel like I'm not a wuss. I'm not bro. I'm yeah. not unfixable. Yeah. And I hope. And I hope. I, when I was in my deepest, darkest <laughs> depression, if someone could have said that to me, mm. it could have helped me get out. Yeah. A lot faster. And someone said this to me about them. Um, I said, if you see someone struggling in the shallow end, why are you letting them get to the deep end and drowning? Yeah. And that's what we're hopefully doing. We're seeing someone in the past. We're seeing them. And if we can guide them mm. and give them a strategy to float or get to the side before they get to the deep end mm. and start drowning, mm. we're doing our job. Kev, this is exactly why I wrote my book. Didn't anyone ever tell you it's all a game? And, you know, the, the book is there. Uh, you've got a copy. Uh, I've threatened to come and read a bedtime story <laughs> to you. Kept, you know. um, but, but the book is broken down into a series of chapters which are designed to help to give people coping strategies through life and any situation that they are faced with. They might not have the right answer in the book, but they will have a potential solution or a way of discussing and thinking the solution through. Um, so I, I'm a great believer that, you know, exactly what you said, Kev, you know, we've got to provide these the, these vehicles. We've got to provide the environment and make the environment right for these conversations to happen. I think what you do at the boxing club is absolutely great, you know, how you get the kids talking. If I think about when I was doing some football coaching and put that in inverted commas football coaching uh you know i was probably kicking the ball about with the kids when my lad was a was was playing for uh, for falcons um i kind of like look back and i think i missed a few things because i was probably so wrapped up in work i was turning up on a saturday to do some of the coaching and then the game on a sunday but did i ever sit down with any of those kids who i know some of them were really struggling and go do you want to have a chat? You know, is there anything that we can we we can talk about? And I think the same then applies to adult football teams. You know, mm-hmm. and anybody who's in an who's in a situation where you're engaging with other people, have an honest conversation. Is everybody okay? You know, let's just let's just talk about it if necessary. Throw the ball on one side. 
I think know. what you said though is like what Lee said earlier about um, the disabled man trying to get in the door. Sometimes we're frightened of offending. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. that fear of offending him yeah. might stop that person from getting better. Yeah. From getting the help he needs. From excuse me, can but can I open the door for you so you don't have yeah. a tumble and break your rubber hip, or. Mm. I can see that you're having a wobble, but how about if he says, how about if he says his dad's knocking him about, how about if he says yeah. he's being abused, how about if he said he's suicidal? Yeah. But by you having that conversation, you might be able to change it. So yeah. instead of feeling uncomfortable, you might be the person who saves that person's life. Absolutely. I think, you know, as I say, I think anybody who's in any situation where you're engaging with other people, um, it, it's worth having that conversation. Are you healthy? Are you happy? You know, is there anything that you want to talk about? Is there anything that we can get out on the table that you want to share with me? What's really great that's happened in your week? Mm. Or is there anything that you really think is not particularly good? Um, I, I agree with what you say. I think everybody is fixable. I really do. But we've got to make the environment right for people. Well, Lee, should we go to uh, two songs? And then when we come back, we're going to get into... Your book. Fantastic. Are these the songs that I've chosen, by of the course. way? Oh, fantastic. And we're back with uh, me, Lee and Andy Mullaney. So before we get into your book, bruv, why have you picked these songs? Oh, crikey, that's a really, really great question. I think the first two that you you, you played, which were Teenage Rampage uh, and then Crazy Horses by the Osmonds. Um, if I think about my time on the road uh, working for the bank and then going into different meetings, uh, and I don't want to sound like Alan Partridge, please don't <laughs> think of me like Alan Partridge, but that songs that used to get me going, that took me back to my childhood. Uh, I remember being on the school coach, going to some 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 trips, and they'd be on, uh, they'd be on their songs from the 70s I think uh, true has a special meaning for me and Catherine because we danced to that at our wedding um, and that that was uh, and again you know um, an 80s lad uh, very into Spandau Ballet with a very very big quiff at the time <laughs> um, a contract with Falcon Hairspray to keep my hair in place um, I think that was uh, that, 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 that was really important Call for Cats by Squeeze I just really really like it the lyrics make me smile um, it's a bit like Ian during the blockheads you know and reasons to be cheerful and it it, 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 it does make me smile and I think the Human League as well um, I, I just remember going to Snobs and I used to go to Snobs on a Thursday and a Saturday in Birmingham and then other nightclubs as well. So very misspent youth when I was sort of like 18, 19. Um, that sort of like reminds me of the era, the smell, the atmosphere. Um, and I can remember that song just really, really summed the 80s up for me in terms of the style of the music, the early 80s, the new romantic. I thought it was awesome. So now... Once again, what's the name of your book? So the book's called Didn't Anyone Ever Tell You It's All a Game? Um, and the subtitle is Surviving and Sometimes Winning at Life. Uh, it was written um, in... It started giving to me, I think, on August the 13th, 2019. Uh, and I stopped writing it on December the 16th, 2020. And it was as though it was given to me as a gift. It was a, it was a calling, really, that came. Uh, I'd been mentoring and doing a lot of mentoring with people, but particularly I'd mentored young Ellie. Um, and um, 
that that evening after I'd mentored, finished the session with Ellie, I knew she was good to go for her interview that she was going to do. She was going to get the job. I knew it. And she did. Um, she was absolutely, absolutely awesome. But I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and just felt, you know what, I've got to write all of this down. Um, and so by the end of that day, I'd got the, got the title, I'd got the 60 chapters, which became 50. I'd got the format of how I wanted to write the book uh, and some of the introduction. Um, and then it just kind of like poured out of me. And it's, it, it's based on the game of snakes and ladders. Um, we have to try to find the ladders, avoid the snakes, um, but load the dice more in our favour. And that's what the book is about. And that's why when I said earlier about going through life a bit more consciously, mm. I think that's what I'm trying to get to with the book so that people go through life more consciously. They accept the situations that come at them but they don't just breeze through life or just accept that things are going to happen, um, that they can actually influence things and make things happen for them. You know what um, What I like about the book? I've, I've read many, many self-help books. Yeah, I'm not, that's, that's exactly what it is, yeah. That's it. Um, I've read many, and uh, there's two that really stand out for me, and, the, and I suppose the reason why, it's Dave Goggins, I can't remember the name of his book now, but Dave Goggins, if you search him, you'll, you'll find his book and yours, and it's because it is a self-help book, but actually it's a life story as well. You know, it's it's a it's mm. you can tell it's lived experience. It's mm. not just a list of things. If you want to be successful, you've got to do this, 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 yeah. and this. It's no, this is what I've found mm. throughout my life, mm. and and how I've got to where I am is by is by doing these things. And, and this is like you're mentioning there about you being bullied, don't you, and things mm. along that line. And some people who have been bullied that can crush them, and mm. and and but some people actually. They use that, and it, and it and it propels them on in life. We, we are all products of our upbringings to some degree, and I, I never intended the book to be autobiographical, and, and it isn't, apart from probably some of the introduction where I do feel it's important. I set the scene, and I tell people a little bit of who I am. I've tried to focus on some of the mistakes that I've made as well so that people can learn from that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think it's really important for, for all of us that... that that lived experience that we were just talking about, about the conversations that can happen um, from other people, that that experience is passed down. Mm. You know, there's a chapter in the book called um, Is This a Hill Worth You Dying On or Worth Dying For? Well, that's all about how far you take an argument. You know, mm. do you keep going and going and going with it until you've got nowhere to go? Or do you actually accept the fact that you can step back and you can fight another day in another way? Mm. You know, uh, and it's trying to get people to, to, to think a, a little bit differently. I think you've nailed it on there then. How many times? It's normally with the upper half. And you're thinking, I've won the battle, but I've lost the war. Yeah. You're thinking, I've won the argument, but I'm sleeping on the settee. She's up in bed. <laughs> and you think, but what have we achieved? You know, I've yeah. won. Great. Does anyone, yeah. does anyone believe that Kev's ever won an argument with his, with his wife? I'm showing off. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, she doesn't listen. This is going to cause an argument when you get back in it, Kev. Well, she doesn't listen unless someone grasses me in, Lee. <laughs> What, what, I've, what I've tried to do with the book is at the start of every chapter is to write a quotation that's relevant to that. And that's, that will range from Aristotle through to Wiz Khalifa. And the kids had to tell me who Wiz Khalifa was. I hadn't even got a clue who Wiz Khalifa was. Um, so there's, there's a, there's a, and, and that in itself is to start a bit of a discussion and a bit of a thought process. What's coming up now? Um, and then at the end of every chapter, I do a series of bullet points um, where the snakes to avoid and the ladders to find. Um, 
because it, people might not want to read the whole book. They might not want to read every chapter. And certainly I know that talking to a number of young people, they don't want to read 350-odd pages of a book. They want to get to the heart of the matter. So they can just read the bullet points. And then if they want to go back and read the body of the text and know more detail, well, actually they can do. Um, and I think for people who've perhaps got uh, problems with, with, with attention spans, I think that would be really, really a, a, a useful tool. Um, chapter 17 is a big one which which covers off interviewing and again to try to because the book's aimed at people from 14 to 100 but mainly if you're 14 to 40 you're going to find some real gold dust in there i hope uh, that's going to help you chapter 17 dissects the interviewing process right the way through from your body language your handshake how you sit uh why you should avoid hot drinks at interviews right the way through to how you cope with panels and you know all sorts of different tests um so you know the the, the book itself is i'm trying to provide and i'm trying to be i suppose a guide for people through the life um if this book changes the life of one person, it's been worth writing it. Um, self-publishing, anybody who self-published a book knows that you don't do it for any revenue. Uh, you're always going to be massively out of pocket. I've got no problem with that because at the end of the day, this book has been written to try to change the life of one person. And if it does that and it makes their life better, my goodness me, uh, that's been a, 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 a that, 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 that's the achievement in itself. Because we are going to, in the new year, once uh, we get back and everything... We are going to do some interview lessons because it's it's a it the art of shaking someone's hand, looking them in the eye, how to conduct yourself, mm. and having confidence. But it's not mm. there's a certain way of the world. It's like uh, the world owes me this yeah. job, and oh well, I did really well at school, so I deserve it. Mm. Life isn't like that, is no. it? And I, I I see it in 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 the boxing world. Um, well, I should be in the championships, and sometimes I could train every day, but I'm not going to be Muhammad Ali. I could run every day, but I'm not going to be Mo Farah. I could sing every day, but I'm not going to be Frank Sinatra. Just because <laughs> I, I should be as good as him, because I put more hours in him, mm. but sometimes life isn't like that, is it? And I think people need to learn this. Absolutely. And I, I, I think... It, it, again, it was brought home to me today um, doing the session with these seven remarkable young people who were on the uh, Kickstarter program with employability. Um, and I was talking about why it's important that you uh, research a company and why you, you, you look at the company. You show an interest in the mm. company that you're going to work for. Um, and the lights went on with one or two of them. I could really see, you know, how, uh, and at the end they were sort of saying that was one of the things that they'd picked up on, mm. you know, about how important it is to actually know that, in fact, it was a young lady who bought it out to start with uh, about how important it was that, she, she, she didn't realise that she'd go and know the fact that the company was founded 200 years ago. Well, actually, what you were just saying about the glass industry, you know, if you're going to work in the glass industry, you need to know the history of the glass industry. You need I to think, know it, to me, it's, it's kind of an, a no-brainer as well, because how do you know you're going to fit in with that company's yeah. ethos if you don't know anything yeah. about it? Absolutely. You know, you, you, I've, I've always done it myself. If I've gone to mm. interviews, I'll make sure that I'll do mm. my research about it, just because... Mm. Mm. I do it even more now, in fact, because of the industry I'm in with disability mm. equipment. I want to go into a company and I want to mm. work with other companies that have the same models mm. of me that put that that Absolutely. put that person at the that disabled person at the front of everything they do. 
and that means if they make mistakes, because mistakes happens, it it affects the, that customer the least because it's like if a wheelchair breaks to to the most people, oh, your wheelchair's break, it's, you know, it's not the end mm. of the world. But actually, for the person in the wheelchair, that's devastating. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to know that if I'm working with those companies or working as part of those companies, that that, that is their core focus at that point. So I'd always mm. advise everyone to do that. You don't want yeah. to be working for any old person who, who doesn't get it, give a care about anything. But 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 it, it, it's amazing how... And, and I've done a lot of mock interviews in schools to try to try to try to help young people. How, how unprepared they are for these kind of situations. Mm. And when you ask somebody, "Tell me about yourself," you know, you, you sometimes get a very uncomfortable shrug of the shoulders. And you know, mm. what do you want to know? Um, and it, 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 it's actually getting people to have these conversations. So this is why I say practice, practice, practice. You know, if if you don't prepare, then you're preparing to fail. You know, it, it it's it, it's absolutely critical. It really is. Um, but the, the the book goes into into so many more areas as well. And you know, I, I, I touch on why it's important or not to have a perhaps a religion in your life for some people. That might be important. It might not. But again, to prompt that discussion and to to, to have that conversation um, around what you believe in. You know. What do you believe in? What are your values? Mm. You know, what do you what What would be a non negotiable red line for you in life? You know, what would you find so 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 unacceptable? And what actually you know makes you the person that you are? So again, trying to raise consciousness and trying to make people more aware of who they are, what they can bring to society, what they can deliver. And how they can actually become the very, very best versions of themselves. So somebody asked me a question when I when I finished in the bank, and they said to me, they said, "What was your greatest achievement?" And I had, a, yeah, I was blessed. I had a great career, but instantly, without thinking, I said, "I survived. Mm. I survived." And I, and that's that's stayed with me ever since. You know, the fact that I was out say after thirty five years, I survived. One of my best mates, the closest friends in school, he died. You know, he didn't last. Rich, did, Rich didn't last the course. So many other people didn't. So many people fell along the wayside for various reasons. I, I, I survived, and I'm really proud of that. So. In there, there were some occasional victories, but I don't think as a society and, again, as a world, we celebrate survival enough because we're trying to give people massive goals and say, this is what success looks like. This is what you should achieve. Well, there's 7 billion of us on this planet, and we've got 7 billion different definitions of success. One person's climbing of Everest is another person's getting out of bed that day, and sometimes the person who get, who's trying to get out of bed, that's actually a bigger achievement than the person who climbs Everest. 100%. And I know when Dad was on the podcast, he, he, he was saying that and saying, there's nothing wrong with being a bricklayer. There's nothing wrong. And, you know... We we judge our successes on ourselves, but I, I, back in the day we used to we used to have to keep up with the Joneses. Now we're keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah, and you think when I'm gone, I'm all right. I'm happy. I'm yeah. I've got enough. We we can all eat. We can have a little holiday. And yeah. if the baby needs something, we say, oh no no. Well, we've got to max out the credit cards because we've got to keep up with. Yeah. And you think when I'm gone, we're happy. Yeah, and you're always saying this to me, aren't you, Lee, about uh, Kala, what she achieves. Is amazing, mm. you know. What I mean, the the, the little victories mm. are like winning a gold medal or world championship, aren't they? Yeah, mm. very much so. They're very much so. She's had, she had, you know, she had such a hard, 
uh, first seven years of her life and and her milestones although if if you were to put, put it against a normal child for a want of their word it, it wouldn't it wouldn't look like an achievement but for her for what she's been through and where and how she's dealt with it and then still managed to progress not just survive life she's survived life believe me she, she's been in situations a number of times where she wouldn't she might not have gone that way but she survived life and then she still keeps going and progressing and reaching she, she, you know, they're not goals to her. They're just it's, it's mm. natural. She just move. She's just moving mm. forward with life, you know. Mm. And I think we do. We set each. We we have this thing where we got, we got to have goals. We got to do that. And and sometimes, just let life take you mm. as well. Let yeah. life relax about it and let life take you where it's going to take you. Mm. But the, um, for me, success is just about having more time. To be quite honest, I, I see. Like I, I think about my own granddad. My my granddad worked all his life. He retired. He had he retired. He had five years from retirement till he passed away. And three of those, he was unwell really to do anything. I think that is such a such a shame. You've you've hit that age. You've worked all your life. He looked after his family, which is fantastic, and he left them in a good position. But really, he had two years where he could do what he wanted. And didn't didn't it yeah. didn't have the commitments of yeah. children anymore? Didn't have the commitments of work mm. anymore? And he could do what he wants. I think two years, mm. and it's not about the money. I mean, you, you said you so you've retired from the banking industry quite early. I was I was I was truly truly blessed. The stars came in the right line, uh, and at fifty three I was able to leave, uh, and then at fifty five able to start taking a pension. You know, and, and I, I'm 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 blessed to do that. But some of that is born out of the fact of an example like you just said, when my own dad dropped down dead at 60 on Christmas Day in 1995 um, he'd lived for his retirement he'd lived for his retirement him and my mum were going to have this wonderful retirement um, and it was snatched away from them a few months after he'd actually finished mm. um, so I, I was determined that you know I was going to try and squeeze what I could out of life and I, and I know how lucky I am and I count my blessings every single day you know we were talking about that at the start um, and I, and I realise how lucky I am but I think it's again when I start thinking about people and I, I write some stories some, some life stories in the book some biographies of people like like Kerry Davis, Carl Denning, who lost his sight in eight seconds, um, Frankie Graham, who'd got a gambling addiction. You know, you, 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 you just think about those people and you think about how they've fought and fought to come back from and battle adversity. And then not only do that, but then they want to give more. They actually want to give more back to society. I think that's amazing. But what you've just said is is absolutely right and for me but i, I can imagine yeah. that's what you value most you yeah. you, you know you, you you appreciate you're in that you, you've yeah. worked yourself yeah. to get in that position yeah. and i think we've got to realize that as well yeah. you've put the the effort yeah. in to get to that point yeah. but i don't think from speaking to you it's not actually the money to be able to do that no. it's you're appreciative of the time that you can uh, now ab- use absolutely and i think you know it it's been able to uh, and particularly during lockdown you know being able to help my kids who are 25 and 21 help them with their careers and help them through lockdown and understanding understanding the world helping other people going on to zoom calls and uh, and, and and things like that the fact that you you, you and I have met you know that, that that we've met um and and we've sat down and we've actually had a beer together you know is he, really really good or a coffee whatever I, th- I think I had a beer didn't I yeah I don't, <laughs> think, you, I don't think that you guys had a coffee but you, you know I think I think Again, you know, having that time to understand and to become comfortable with who I am mm. has been really important. 
And I think if, if all of us can just take that little bit of time out, if I was talking to Andy Mullaney of 20 years ago, um, I would say instead of walking past the roses and going, they look nice roses, stop and actually smell them. Mm. You know? But I think about this myself and I spent a lot of um my well really from from 16 to probably 30 years old working and that was mm-hmm. all i really did i had a I had a beautiful family sitting at home and what was i doing i was at work working yeah. and i think well has that paid off and and it definitely hasn't paid off mm-hmm. in terms and i don't mean in terms of money money wise it, mm-hmm. it hasn't paid off in relationship wise you know with 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 my my kids i just think it just wasn't worth it in the end mm-hmm. And and where does that balance change within life? Does it mm. would it have, would that balance change if I am fortunate enough to retire when I'm when mm. I'm younger? Then then mm. that may may go well actually yeah. yeah, but I don't think it would to be quite honest. I think because mm. you, you're missing the mm. uh, some really important times of of your young family's careers, so, um, life. Sorry, but, but the, 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 there's some people out there, and I, I always remember I had a client who was a who, who was a, a metal basher, and this was in the uh, this is going back to what ninety two. Um, and not far from here, um, and I, I went out and saw him, and I finally said to him, I plucked up the courage because he really told life how it was. You know, he didn't, did typical black country lad, didn't pull, didn't pull any punches. Uh, and I said to him, I said, look, you know, look, Jim, you know, you're eighty now. When 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 are you going to turn it in? When are you going to have a rest? You know, and he says, I'm going to die at this anvil. Mm. You know, I want to. This is where I want to die. This mm. is where I spent all my life. And actually, that's what actually happened. You know, a few years later, that's what he did. Um, so, it, again, we are all individuals. I, I always thought that I would work into my 60s. In fact, we had a conversation not so many years ago where I sat at our kitchen table and I said to the kids, I said, I think I'm going to have to work till I'm 70. Uh, and then suddenly the stars came into the line. I, I, as I say, I know and appreciate how, how lucky I am. But... Um, you're absolutely right. 35 years with Lloyds Bank, and and I gave everything, and I mean everything, and so too did Catherine. You know, and that 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 was a lot of time, a lot of a lot of miles, um, a lot of effort, a nervous breakdown in there as well. Um, so, so would you now you can't you're at the end of that? Would you would you change that? And do it any differently, or would you? In, in terms of obviously, you don't want to men- have a mental breakdown, but in terms of the sacrifices you made, do you think now that's been worth it? Um, it's that that is a great question. It's one that keeps me awake sometimes at three and four o'clock in the morning when I, I, I look back. Um, I missed some things around the house and I missed some of the golden moments at home that I shouldn't have missed. Um, but it was what I felt I needed to do to survive and to get through there. I, the one thing I never did was take my job for granted ever. Every single day. And some of that was the culture in the bank at the time as well. You know, and the culture was very much a case of, you know, you're only as good as your last week. And, um, you know, this is the most important year of your career. Oh, guess what? Next year is even more important. (laughs) Um, So it's what I did to survive. And I I guess as well, you know, there was always that moment in the background where I thought somebody's going to catch me out here. They're going to actually realise that I've got away with it Um, because I was doing not only a job that I loved in most cases, but I was actually pretty good at Um, but it didn't some sometimes it didn't come difficult to me because a lot of it was around talking and around conversations around sales making sure that people bought into you and then and then delivery and delivery by world class service and i set the bar 
my my bar was set at world class delivery. I would not accept anything less from myself um, or those around me at times. Now that's a really high standard to live with. Um, it's one that meant that I could put my head on the pillow at night with regard to the way that I looked after my clients. But again, you know, the the cost of that was was quite high. The bank benefited most definitely. My colleagues benefited. My clients benefited. I benefited. But I think, you know, Mulaney household lost out. Mm. At times. It's, it's all about the sacrifices. Yeah. It? But yeah. What's, what you said then, I hear it so often. That almost imposter syndrome. Yeah. They're going to find out here. They're going to find yeah, out. Here. Somebody's going to catch me out. And I don't know if that <laughs> comes from like being bullied as a yeah. kid. And it's like what you say, and I, I say at 37, I'm, I'm happy being Kev Dillon. Yeah. And it's, it, people say, all you got to do is find peace for yourself, yeah. love yourself. It's such a throwaway, yeah. Yeah. blooming. Yeah. It's a chapter in the book. It's a chapter in the book about loving yourself. And, and that's not only, and, and uh, yeah, me, me, me and Phil have had this conversation, you know, on more than one occasion. It, it's not, for me, it's very much around not only loving yourself, mm not being narcissistic about mm. it, but it's also loving the bits of you that you don't like yeah, and embracing yeah. those and accepting those. Now, you know, some people will say, oh, I can't love them, but I can accept that they're there. Mm. Um, I've actually gone to a point where there's parts of my personality and parts of me that I really don't like at times. Um, but I've kind of like embraced it because I think if I embrace it and bring it closer, it might actually make it better. It, it, it's... How I personally, it's finding peace yeah. with it, you know, and it's, um, I don't enjoy my panic attacks, I don't enjoy uh, loads of different things about it, but I, I'm at peace with it, mm. and I think more we try and lock it mm. in the garden shed and we, you know, play music loud, so we, no, don't, no one, no, no one, you know, like the, more we find peace with it and we accept it, mm. then we can move on from it. I, I never found peace with who I am until as I say probably within the last 18 months the book has really helped that's been really cathartic so I've got a much better relationship with my mum and dad now mm. than, I, than I ever had in my mind when they, they, they were alive uh, I understand the people that they were more I understand the decisions that they made um, I, I also um, have accepted some of those decisions as well and as an only child mm. which I was um with with the bar being set so incredibly high um, for for me that achievement was absolutely everything. Um, it, it 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 was it was difficult growing up with that level of expectation and knowing that I actually knew my abilities were never where the expectation was. There was um, actually a tweet went out the other day and I can't remember who tweeted, but basically it's it's along the same lines that. She has this, what she perceives to be this thing she doesn't like within her personality. And it was, it was about um, she was a perfectionist. Mm. Now this perfectionist had led her down the 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 route of doing really well within university, going on to getting a good job, to to do it, you know, all that fast, fantastic stuff. She attributed it to that, but also she had an eating disorder, mm. and because she was a perfectionist, she had to be perfect at doing mm. that. So it kind of unbalanced itself mm. out. Um, it's, it's, so you know the, so you, you there's benefits and negatives to that, isn't that? You know you can you can see it from both points of view. Ab- absolutely, I, I think I think you know if I say if I look back on 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 my career, 
um, and I think about uh, about some of the some of the things that, that occurred, some of the things that happened. Um, yeah, I probably was a bit of a perfectionist at times, but I did accept the fact that things were going to happen. I did accept that certain things were going to go wrong, like they possibly are now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to go to a song anyway. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be back after that. And we're back to our almost perfect show. <laughs> a couple of stumbles on the oh, way. I do. Well, that, 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 that's, all of my, that's my fault for not turning my phone off So uh, uh, that was causing that little bit of interference. Good so. job it's not a job interview, Andy. Yeah, but what, <laughs> what, yeah absolutely, absolutely. The worst thing is we all thought we had a mental yeah. illness of even ringing at that yeah. point. But what I was going to say was, you, you know, it just goes to show proper preparation. <laughs> and I hadn't properly prepared to turn my phone off. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm really sorry about that. Thanks, thanks by the way, for playing uh, playing. Empire State of Mind there, Alicia Keys that's a really special song for me because the, the greatest week one of the greatest weeks of my life was uh, in uh, November 2019 when me, Catherine, Sarah and James went to New York and uh, it was uh, around the time of Thanksgiving so it was around this kind of time two years ago um, and we stayed in New York and had, uh, had probably the best one of the best weeks of my life so uh, I feel very close to that song it's, uh, it's really special but I just really want to say because I know that we're coming into the last few minutes of the show guys I, I, I really first of all want to say not only a massive thank you for giving me the opportunity to come and talk to you but also the chance to come and talk about the about the book which is uh, really special to me um, I mean any time that anybody buys it 25% of the income I make goes to charity so um, I will be donating 25% uh, to six charities associated with people who feature in the book um, and um, the book is available on an e-book. It's also available uh, via the publishers Matador. Um, it's available via Amazon and via most retailers. I think uh, we've had some strange experiences googling it and finding it's in a Hungarian bookshop uh, <laughs> and all, all sorts of strange places. But I, I, I wrote the book to make a difference to somebody's life, uh, and if it makes a difference to one person's life and makes them look at life differently and changes their stars in the way that mine were able to be changed uh, for the better, then uh, it it has has been worth it. Um, and I, you know, I'd love to I'd love to shake hands with the person uh, if if that is the case. But uh, yeah, it's a massive thank you from me, guys, because as I say, I, I've really enjoyed it, and I'm really looking forward to us doing some more stuff together as the as the, as the months go by. Um, as I say, I think when we come out of lockdown and we start to emerge into this post-COVID world, which for goodness sakes, I hope we do, and we do reasonably quickly, um, I think there's going to be even more of a need for these conversations to take place. Community building, I would call it. Yeah, 100%. And I think if we can all do our little bit to build on a community, then we're going to have a, a fighting chance. Yeah. Do you think you're writing another book? I think that's a really great question. Um I said about the book giving to me and it started on a set date and it finished on a set date. I knew when I'd written the last words, the last sentence, um, and then uh, I handed it over then to my wife with a red pen who uh, who was uh, w- w- was really good in terms of helping me to shape it better. I nearly said brutal then, but... Uh, um, <laughs> so that's my <laughs> wife. <laughs> but uh, she, she, Catherine was brilliant in terms of helping me to, to get it down and then obviously then sending it through to the, to, through to the editors. I I haven't had that spark of inspiration that I that I had. Uh, I hope I do. Um, 
and I hope that I am able to get something down. But I, I think I've got myself so engrossed into this book and I know it so well. I know the contents inside out um, and I want to keep talking to people about what the book delivers um, because I believe, uh, and I know most people would say this about their own work, but I do believe that this will change people's lives for the better um, and I want people to, 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 to get hold of it um, and I want people to use it. I want people to... Th- dog ear the corners, take a highlighter pen to it. Um, but I want people to read it and I want people to use it. And that's, I think what we said earlier, though, enjoy this period. Yeah. Because sometimes like, oh, well, I'm going to write the next book and the next book after yeah. that. Just go, I'm happy. It's good. Let's enjoy it now. Yeah. And let's enjoy having the feedback yeah. coming in, thinking, yeah. thank you, Andy. I, I'll give this yeah. to my lad or I'll give this. Yeah. And it's lovely. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, that that is something that I've already experienced where people have said that. And I've really, I, I've, I've really enjoyed that and really valued that. And um, I, I think, again, you know, it, it does. It, it, the feedback I've had tells me that there is a place for this book in the world, that it is different, that it is it is something different to what people people would normally expect. Um, where I put survival uh, as a real key and navigating your way through this life so that you can load the dice more for you so you can find those ladders and avoid the snakes. Um, you won't avoid all the snakes and you won't find all the ladders, but I'm trying to help people to... to I'm trying to be a pathfinder, I think, for people. And by sharing some of my own mistakes as well um, and the mistakes that I've made, I'm trying to be really, really honest in terms of saying to people... This is something that you can you, you you don't have to do, you don't have to do this. And talking to my younger self, I'd probably say, um, you know, take your life a bit more seriously and your career a bit more seriously when I was younger, because the first six or seven years I really didn't. You know, I was quite happy to uh, to go out and uh, to go out on the lash and uh, to go out and uh, be, uh, I suppose, uh, life and soul of the party. But I think that's degree. a vital part of life as well, yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah, but that was a great learning curve, and that was a Great, 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 great learning curve. But I would say to myself, smell the roses a bit more and spend a bit more time appreciating what you've got and being thankful. Well, we're lucky, like, through Andy, we've had Kerry on, yeah. who's done remarkable. We've had John... John Reed. John Reed. We've had the Booze Hound. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about John. Yeah. And it's great because what I've really... And I, I say this, on a lot of radio sessions, you get to come on for a whole 10 minutes. On here, you have a whole hour to actually get to know the person's story. Yeah. And that's what I've really enjoyed having you on for this last hour, Andy. Oh, well, it's been, it's been amazing. And uh, again, I just want to say a massive thank you to you guys. I'm looking forward to doing more with you. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, going forward, we'll do more stuff together. And as I always like to end, have you got any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life? I think there's one that I've, I've got 50 in the book, but there's one that I've, I've found oh, since I wrote the book, which I would have included, by Robin Williams. And Robin Williams uh, said, um, everyone you see is fighting a battle that you know absolutely nothing about. So be kind. Be wonderful. Well, guys, until we see each other next time, I want you all to take care of yourselves and each other. Ta-ra a bit.